Welcome to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. This thing is huge. It's the greatest, most outrageous, incredibly fun podcast on the internet today. It's all about the Donald, the most spectacular entrepreneur alive today. For entrepreneurs who also want to dominate their market and destroy their competition. I'm Steve Cypress, here with my co-host, Everett Farnell. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons Learned from President-Elect Donald Trump Podcast. I'm your co-host, Steve Cypress, along with the fearless, one and only, all-knowing, all-knowledgeable, all-helpful to business owners, Mr. Everett Farnell. Hey, Steve. How's it going today? It's going fantastic, thank you. How are you doing? I, I uh, am getting, I'm doing fantastic, but kind of in the same way as when you beat your head against the wall and you stop and it feels good. I'm getting over this uh, uh, this funk that I've had for a week, and it feels fantastic not to feel miserable. So uh, I love uh, it. Kind of, you know, it's off topic, me. although it's something to do with Trump, but it's about expectations. If you expect to feel horrible and you only feel bad, that's excellent. If yeah, you expected that's... your candidate to have a 90% chance of winning and suddenly she lost, holy crap, you're riding in your own town that voted 90% for your own candidate. You're busting up your own city. The whole thing makes no sense, but you do it anyway because you're not thinking straight. But anyway, I digress. Today's topic, we're going to talk about what's going on now with Donald Trump as he won the election, and he immediately said, I'm taking a month off to go play golf in Hawaii and uh, hang out. No, of course not. He's not, not a chance. He got right to work at dawn the next day, or before, he's up before dawn, I'm sure, and he got right to work putting his team together because that's what an executive does, an entrepreneur does. He puts together the teams, and he's been holding these meetings, and it's, all you hear is who he's talking to and who's going in and out of Trump Tower and whatever and this and that. And then people are amazed. They're like, oh, look, he's meeting with Democrats. And, and oh, this, this coming weekend he's scheduled to meet with Mitt Romney. Well, I thought Mitt Romney was his mortal enemy. They hated each other. Mitt Romney called him a fraud, and, and, and Trump called Romney a choke artist, and and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. We're going to talk here about what Trump is doing is he's saying that I don't have competition. I don't see my competition as competition. I can work with anybody. I can see that there's a gain in working with anybody. And not enough small business owners approach things the same way. They, they, they think that their competition is their enemy somehow. Here's the deal. Things in, let's take sports. There are things that happen in the world of sports that if they happened on the street in real life, or at a Thanksgiving dinner with your family, they would be crimes. Okay, let's take boxing. If I sat there at Thanksgiving dinner and said, please pass the cranberry sauce, and you said no, and I hit you with a right hook, that would be a crime. That would cause, like, major problems. That would be like, I can't believe you did that. That's um, But if I do that in a boxing ring, then, hey, I had the fight. Yeah, I hit you with a right cross. I knocked you out. And afterwards, we're going to go out for a beer and a dinner, and, like, it's all good. We're boxers. That's what we do. We hit each other. That's well, in the world that. of football, you know, in football, you, you, you know, we, we, I have a, a client, uh, Daryl Hill, who played college football at Navy and was a, went into the Marines. And, and he said, look, he was a star linebacker, and he said, Look, in the Army-Navy game, I know these are my brothers. I know we're going to fight shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield, but for that one day a year, yeah, I'm out to give the biggest hit I can and play the game as hard as I can. That's a game. But after the game, you see it in sports. After the game in football, what are they doing? They're all smiling and shaking hands and fist pumping, and then they're praying.
playing in the middle of the field and whatever. Oh, but I thought they were competitors. Like, no, they're smarter than that. So in politics, the game of politics is played with words. You don't beat people up with punches or by tackling them. You, you use words. So one guy says choke artist. The other one says a fraud and a phony and he's lying Ted and he's crooked and Hillary. And you're, you're throwing these words around and people are like, oh, I can't believe that, that all that is under the bridge. But they, right, if, if in real life, Everett, if in real life I said to a friend or a family member, you're a fraud, you're a phony, or whatever, that could like sticks and stones would break my bones or names or whatever. That would stick with me for a long time and that could cause sure. a rift in the family or friendship and it could cause a lot of damage. When it's done in politics on the field of battle with words, that was just a battle. Now the battle's over. Who gives a rip about who said what about who? Let's get to work. It's the same thing for a business owner. Your competition is not your competition. Let your let your prospects think that one plumber is competing with another plumber. You be smarter than that, and you work with other business owners to make life better, more enjoyable, make more money. Am I off base? No, you're you're absolutely on base. As a matter of fact, when I used to work in radio, I had a radio commercial, a radio show, and we used to love when there was uh, some sort of controversy. We used to love when you could get two people in who would... Now, now finding people who could do it was difficult, but if you can get two people in, in the radio station, in the radio studio, who will argue and fight, but will do it in... Uh, you know, I mean, obviously not this fight, or on the phone or whatever, if you can get an interview where there's a lot of uh, a lot of tension and a lot of back and forth and a lot of a lot of argument, that's great radio. But guess what happens when, the, when, when you go off the air? Everybody laughs and shakes hands and says, as, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you next week or I'll see you next time or I'll talk to you next time or whatever. And, and that's just it. But that's good radio. I mean, that, that's good. And, and that's good marketing. And that's what people have got to understand. That's what all this is, is marketing. So that tension, that, that going at loggerheads is just a show. And if you can adapt it, if you can adapt that. For the show. If you can, yeah, if you can adapt the show and put the show to work, in your business with one of your um, with somebody else, and you don't necessarily have to be at loggerheads with them. But if you can understand that that the idea, the the original look that you're at in competition with them, when behind the scenes you're not in competition with them, if you can get that, you will make loads more money, especially especially if you're in the consumables business. So a guy who buys a cake is going to buy a cake is going to buy a cake is going to buy a cake. Just because he buys one cake a week doesn't mean he's not willing to buy two cakes. A week, right? I mean, he's willing to spend, he's willing to go buy two cakes a week if you show him two cakes. Well, right. Or, we discussed this in our earlier episode where, yeah. you know, if I am a fan of a certain rock and roll group, I mean, I'm dating myself, but let's say I'm a fan of the Rolling Stones and the Who comes into town, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh yeah, I don't buy their albums, I'm not buying tickets to their concerts. Like, what are you talking about? Like, if yeah. I'm a fan of Star Wars, I'm probably a fan of Star Trek and probably a fan of Harry Potter and a fan of this and of that and whatever. So, Harry Potter is not in competition with Star Wars. I'll give you an example right now in the real world. There's a star. I just saw a commercial. There's a, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I, I can't understand science fiction. My brain doesn't function. I'm way too simple for that. So I, I don't pay much attention, but I saw a commercial that said there's a Star Wars movie coming out right before Christmas. 
Christmas. I looked at my beautiful wife, Michelle, and I was like, oh, you see, that's brilliant. They're coming out like two weeks before Christmas because that's the biggest time in the year for every movie, and they're showing everyone, you lose. We're coming out before Christmas. We're going to take all the air out of the room and all the money out of everyone's pockets. We're the Christmas movie. But you better believe, if I'm producing any other movie this year to come out of Christmas, that's not my competition. I better be in conversation with that studio releasing that movie, and I better know that my plan to release my movie a week before Christmas, I'm going to readjust and release it three weeks before Christmas, so at least I get a week before Star Wars come out to try and sell some tickets to my movie. Movies are not in competition with each other, not to mention, by the way, of course, and I know we mentioned this on an episode way, way back, that the actors, I mean, come on now, the actors and the and the, and the directors and the, all the behind-the-scenes people, whatever, they all work on movies together. They're not in competition either, even when they get up for the Oscar, and all of America thinks, oh, it's Meryl Streep versus whoever for the best woman actress for the... No, what do you... Th- they're all... Fr- they're, like you said, they're all going out to the same party afterwards. They all hang out at each other's... They're not in competition. The whole movie industry, the whole sports industry, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees are not in competition. The Bears and the and the Packers are not mortal enemies. They're complete cohort. They, they, one Absolutely. can't make any money without the other one. So how about an example from the world of business, Everett, because I know we have naysayers listening in going like, you don't understand. I'm a, a plumber, and the other plumber across town, how am I supposed to possibly work with him? Of course, you guys don't understand. He's my competition. This isn't a football game. This is real well, life. I'm a plumber with another plumber across town. How am I supposed to work with him? There's lots of ways, but let me just give a very quick way that comes from a background uh, uh, somewhere that I know. The thing that comes straight to mind is approach that plumber about splitting the cost of a weekly radio show at the local radio station because, you know, you, you can you can buy an hour show on the weekend on the radio. Go in on the radio stations. You go in and you sit down and you do a call-in show where, you know, you take uh, you talk about plumbing and you talk about different issues with plumbing and you talk about do-it-yourself plumbing and you spend an hour going back and forth with this guy who you're supposedly incompetent with and you each own a different business and you each get to plug your business in the show and by doing that you're able to bounce ideas off each other there's going to be places where you disagree on how to handle something and that'll make for a little tension which will be good so that's just one example you have to think a little creatively but I, I want to give another thought other than like plumbing or, or service business like that people don't realize how the human psyche works you know the thing about super churches over the last couple of decades the new trend in evangelical churches or these super churches with 10,000, so, uh, yeah, 20,000 I guess people. they call them the mega churches. Mega church, yeah, not super church, mega church, yeah. So there's these huge churches, but here's what happens. See, most people think a mega church opens up in an area and all the smaller churches, like all the believers, stop going to the smaller churches and they go to the mega church and, and the smaller churches now have to shut down. But here's the truth. When the mega churches open up, not only do they pack ten or 20,000 people in, but the smaller churches get more people in them too. Well, of course. See, so it, what happens is... Well, because um, more people are, to use the word believing, more people are now believing that going to church is a good thing. The, the marketing it, it, done and the presence of that mega church has the idea of going to church right. is a good thing that, that that rising tide lifts all the ships. Right, so, so now people, it, it's, in the, it's, it's in the conversation, it's the conversation going on in their mind, but there's a lot of people who say, you know, that, that big church is great, but that's not really my thing. I'd rather go to a smaller church. But now it's in their head because they because it's a big church. So now they, they end up going to a smaller church. And like you said, it's the rising tide with all boats. 
So that's what happens. So that's what people need to realize is that how, how do you do it? You, you figure out a way to position yourself, to work with somebody, to, uh, to position yourself as an expert. So the plumber example that you were talking about, you have the plumbers come in, they split the cost of doing a radio show. Now they're doing a radio show. That's a positioning thing. It's not going to give you a response by next Friday. However, it will position you over the course of a year or eight, 18 months. It will position you as the chief, you know, you're you're the plumber to go to because you're the guy who does the damn local show on it. So there, you, so that's one way to do it. The other way is uh, is understanding and encouraging that the mega church coming into the area will create a top of mind awareness for your industry. In this case, churches. The other way to do it is to recognize that if you have a consumable, if you sell a consumable, then people who consume that consumable will consume more consumable. Whether it's intellectual property, or it's something that you need, like I mentioned, a baby earlier. So if you're in the self-help business, let's say you're a self-help speaker, you're not trying to get all the self-help people to like, you know, don't buy from Tony. No, sell Tony shit too, right? And and sell somebody else's stuff too. And I mean, sell everybody's stuff and do JVs with them and let them sell your stuff to their people because they all buy. Just like people who buy cookies, buy cookies. So if you have a bakery, and there's another bakery across town that sells maybe not the exact same kind of thing that you do, but a different take on it. Well, sell your special cookies to their list and sell their special cookies to your people. Why not? This is not, you don't have to be at loggerheads with everybody. It's not, you can only do something for me and not for everybody else. So if you're in the consumables business, it's really, really, really important to recognize that competition is really cooperation. You cooperate with your competition and everybody makes a lot more money. So let's finish on one note, one of the more pronounced examples of what I call a fake competition where behind the scenes, where it looked like to the public this is a competition, but behind the scenes the marketers knew what they were doing, is, it's a real famous one, the Coke versus Pepsi. If people remember those commercials years ago. Oh, and still to this day, it's known as the Cola Wars, and oh, there's Coke versus Pepsi. Come on now, what's your take on Everett on, on this I would not be surprised if they were collaborating. I have not seen anything that says that for sure, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Cola Wars benefited both of Coke and Pepsi tremendously and, more importantly, locked themselves into the top spaces. So it wasn't Coke, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. You know what I mean? It was Coke and Pepsi. Exactly. I think I remember reading the numbers where before they did the Coke versus Pepsi challenge, it was 43 to 41 to, you know, the rest taking the other 14 or 15 percent. And after they did the challenge, it went up to like 48 to 47, and there was only like 5% left over for anybody else. I mean, it just made it yeah, clear right. to it's, the public, it's Coke versus Pepsi. And neither Coke nor Pepsi really cared who had the 48 or the 47 other than to say like, oh, we're number no. one or this or that or whatever. But I mean, the bottom line is they made everyone believe it's Coke versus Pepsi. Don't even think of drinking 7-Up. 7-Up just fell completely off the map. It's not even a question. Yeah, what's, what's 7-Up? And until one of the big incidents, until Coke or Pepsi buys 7-Up, then of course you can drink it. But until then, don't drink 7-Up or don't drink Spite or don't drink Mountain Dew or don't drink Mellow Yellow. Coke versus Pepsi. It's Republicans versus Democrats. Sure, there's a Green Party. Sure, there's a Libertarian Party. Sure, there's a whoever party. But what, what are you talking about? They're never going they get, you know, 5-6% of the vote. It's the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's the top two positions. That's what Coke and Pepsi did. 
Well, that's what you see now. I mean, it's a little off the top. It's certainly not with business owners, but it's more to Trump. You're seeing the Republicans and Democrats. And does anyone really believe there's any difference between the two? And they're not completely cohorts. They're not completely colluding and working together in everything to further their agenda, which is bigger government spending more money and having more of their own security that once they finish in public office, then they go into, they use their big name to go into a law firm or to go into some consulting thing or whatever. They all have the same interest, making government more important in your life, making themselves more important. And, and if Harry Reid didn't exist, then Mitch McConnell would have to invent them. You have to have each other. That's the whole deal. I don't know if you've ever heard of I've written about him a few times, but have you ever heard about, a, well, maybe you have, a, a, a pool player named Minnesota Fat? Well, now you're dating me back to the 60s. I used to watch Minnesota Fats and Willie Moscone duke it out. Ah, okay. So now here was the thing Moscone never understood. Moscone got rich behind their feud, right? Moscone, got, Moscone made a lot of money behind their feud. The thing Moscone never realized that Fats did realize is that without Fats, Moscone would have been a, every, just same as every other broke gentleman pool player in the world. But Fats well, that's why I mentioned both man. in the same breath. It's like we yeah. just said, there'd be no Ollie without Frey. There'd be no Cubs without the Packers. There's no Yankees without the Red Sox. You need that. Yeah, so, so Fats needed a straight man. And Moscone was a great pool player and played the straight man brilliantly because he really was the straight man. So Fats used that to... Fats was a brilliant marketer, by the way, if, if, any, if, if our listeners have not studied Minnesota. And I'm not talking about Jackie Gleason and the, the movie The Pool Hustler. I'm talking about the real Minnesota Fats, Rudolph Walderon. And uh, the real Minnesota Fats, by the way, got his name from Jackie Gleason but in the movie The Hustler, but was very liberal about it allowing people to believe that Jackie Gleason got the name for him. So in other words, Minnesota Fats didn't exist. He was actually from Brooklyn, and nobody's even sure he ever stepped foot in Minnesota. Uh, but he adopted the name. As soon as the movie came out, he adopted the name that he was Minnesota Now Fats. that's funny. Do you see what, dear listener, do you see what you learn here on the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast? I mean, we've gone from Donald Trump having meetings <laughs> with Democrats, Republicans, Republican establishment people that, quote, hated him or he hated them, and people don't understand how now you can do the same thing in your marketplace to let the public or anyone else that doesn't really know what's going on think that you're in competition with others, but really be willing to work with anybody. And now we're off onto the topic of how a couple of cool guys did it from 50 years ago. So we really run the gamut here. And well, it just speak, I, I can't speak for my co. I know we're 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 coming up on the end of the time, but I can speak for my co-host Everett that his knowledge of this kind of stuff goes beyond basically any mere mortal and go to lessons learned from donald trump.com and contact either one of us and ever can regale you with stories but also we'll give you some tips that fit your specific situation you can put this stuff to use don't just be listening to it let's have you put this stuff to use use it put some money in your pocket You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump, make sure you go listen to the rest of the episodes by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time. Unless you like being a loser, some people do, I guess. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump, make sure you go listen to the rest of the episodes by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time. Unless you like being a loser, some people do, I guess.